Good morning, church. How we doing this morning? Yeah, like two people excited. Okay. I say, good morning, I believe. There we go. Much better. Yeah. So we are already at the last week of January? No, not yet. Almost there. Almost there. Almost there. My goodness. It passed by so quickly. How many of you feel like there's, it's so quick? It just, you blink and it, you're there. And, uh, I, and I feel like that's not just, that it just doesn't feel quick because it is quick. I, I really believe that uh, there is a quickening in the season that we're in. That God is quickening things. How many of you believe that? So some of you have been praying for like 20 years for something. There's a, a, quick, there's a quickening to that answer. And I believe that this is the year of the quickening. Uh, I believe what's going to take years is going to take us months. I believe what's going to take us months is going to take us weeks. I believe what takes weeks is going to take us days to the point that whatever is being spoken in the morning, God will answer it in that evening. See, one person believes that, so give it to her, Jesus. Give it to her, Jesus. Okay, church, we want to learn a response. Amen. Because I want us to be responsive to the word of God. Because two things. Number one, it keeps you from falling asleep. Thank you, Jesus. Number two, it keeps your mind engaged. Because the, the moment you go idle, how many of you know that a lot of times idle time is evil time? Can I say that one more time? How many of you know that you get in trouble when you're idle? When you ain't doing nothing? Is that right? You alone in your thoughts. That's when trouble begins. How many of you know that idle time can be evil time? Yeah? See, idle time is very different than meditation time. Idle time is very different than intimate time. See, what we want to get into is intimate time, not idle time. Idle time is you meditating on thoughts that doesn't even belong to you. Can I say that one more time? Idle time is meditating on thoughts that doesn't even belong to you. See, anything that does not belong in the mind of God shouldn't be in yours. Do you believe that? Anything that is not in the mind of God should not be in yours. And I believe this is a part of the shift that we need to make in the 2020. Uh, I believe that uh, before every big wave that is coming, there's always a setback. You notice that the water begins to recede back into the ocean before a big wave is coming. There's always a pullback. Maybe that's what some of you are feeling in your life right now. How many of you are feeling like, man, you see the promise of God, but there's been so many setbacks. There's been so many pullbacks. You feel like, where is that promise? I, I see the way, but it's going further and further away. I don't understand what's happening. God says, you better get ready. Because the greater the setback, the greater the release. The greater the pullback, the greater the release. It's a setup. Amen, let's say. It's a setup. It's a set. God is setting something up for you, but are you ready to be released? And the, your attitude really determines how you're going to be released. Your attitude will truly determine your altitude. Can I say that one more time? Your attitude will surely determine your altitude. Because the moment you release, if you have a negative attitude, you're going to fall short. That's why we need to shift things in our mind that keeps us from going to the altitude that God wants us to go to. Amen? Are you ready for God to release you into your destiny here in 2020? All right. See, God choose to work through people. And throughout the history of humanity and bringing his will to be down here on earth as it is in heaven. And he, you see that throughout scripture that God partners with people all the time. Is that correct? The greatest elevation, however, of that relationship between humanity and God got elevated in this one moment when the church was birthed. When the church was born, that elevation went to a whole different level because we went from slave to sons and daughters. Amen. We went from slave to friends. We went from slave to partners. 
Did you realize that? That God no longer called you slave. He called you partner. He called you friend. And that is a big deal. Somebody say amen. That is a big deal. And this is why I think we need to get excited. If we're not excited about this, nobody else is going to get excited, y'all. Uh, it, it needs to overflow from our lives. Do you know who you are? Do, you, do we know who we are as a corporate identity? We truly believe that he no longer calls us slaves, but he calls us friends. We are friends of God. Somebody say amen. We are partners with God. Somebody say amen. We are the church. Amen. We are the love crew. This is who we are. I want you to know that the Love Crew is not just a volunteer program. No, this is a part of our corporate identity, that we are the Love Crew. You know why we're called the Love Crew? Can somebody tell me? Because we love. <laughs> That's cute. Okay. Uh, why do you think we're called the Love Crew? Y'all can talk to me. It's okay. Because it's Abba Love. Okay. What else? It's through our love that people see Jesus. And I, I love that. This month, we are beginning uh, the series with understanding the family identity, vision, and value. And here in Abba Love, we believe that God is our, and love is our, God is our, and love is our. So our family identity, though, I want you to know our family identity, we are the love crew. Tell, tell your neighbors that we are the love crew. We are the love crew because we make love tangible. Amen? We make love tangible when we serve and when we give. And so here's a question I want us to just think about real quick. What would happen in your family if you truly live that out? What would happen if you are the love crew in your family? Sometimes we limit love crew to this volunteer system on Sunday. But what would it look like for you to be a love crew in your family? What would it look like for you to be a love crew at your workplace? What would it look like for you to be the love crew? In your school, in your neighborhood, what would it look like? How would people perceive Jesus? Will people see Jesus at all? Here's an honest question that we need to answer. Can you imagine with me real quickly? What would it look like if we truly live out this identity of a love crew, no matter where we are? Because wherever you are, God is. Amen? <laughs> because he lives in you. Carry on. It's awesome. It's great. I want us to really capture this essence. And this is going to really set the tone of where we're going to go as a whole community in 2020. We have an amazing love crew. Is that right? I want to take a little time to give some highlight real time for some of them there. Uh, so uh, the first one that I really want to appreciate and honor real quickly is the build crew. Now, Chris cannot be here today. That's why this month we have the Build Crew Challenge. I want you to see the kind of hard work that is put into setting everything up. And I appreciate those of you who are not even in Build Crew, but you, you know what? You decide to show up anyway. Can I tell you that that is the greatest way for you to make Jesus visible is when you lay down your life. Can, can I tell you one of the leaders of the Build Crew is Chris, the, the Scannells. Uh, the Scannells are amazing, amazing tribe of family. Can I tell you that? And we want to honor them and we want to uh, just recognize what it is they do. You know, one day I, uh, it was just Chris. Chris came to, uh, you know, the church after uh, we brought the truck in and, and he brought his son. And I got the opportunity to watch them. And I got the privilege to watch them. And I thought I, it was so cute. I, I, he brought Jesus with him. And uh, he brought Jesus with him. And as he brought Jesus, they began to unload everything. And I was up and out. And I, just, I was just watching what he would do with uh, his son. 
And it, it was wonderful to see because he said, son, car carry those signs. And Jesus picked up these children's, uh, children's church, the advocate signs. And he says, hey, Jesus, I want you to think about something real quick. What, wh where would be the best place for everyone that have kids to be able to see that? He didn't tell him exactly where he needs to put it, but he asked that question and allow his son to learn. And in that moment, I saw, oh, my gosh, this is a picture of family discipleship. That, you know, how many of you know that some things are, cannot just be told? Is that right? Some things cannot be told and some things cannot just be taught, meaning by shoving it down their throat. Some things have to be discovered together. And the best kind of learning is a self-discovery. Is that correct? And I thought it was a beautiful moment. And, and he just says, oh, I think I'm going to put it right here. That's not even the right place to put it. But Chris didn't say a word, but instead he affirmed his son. Son, I'm glad that you are thinking about that. Son, I'm glad that you are serving Jesus. Son, I'm glad that you are serving the body of Christ. How many of you would like that kind of opportunity with somebody in your family? That kind of opportunity. Can I tell you that Build Crew provides a platform for family discipleship? That you're not only building and setting up these things, but you are building up the next generation. That you are building up those around you. Build Crew is not just about setting up what is physical here, but they are also setting up a generation after them. Amen. Can we give a hand once more for the Build Crew? I really honor. So next, next month, as we lay out the, the Love Crew sign up, I want you to really faithfully consider Build Crew. Because it's one of the crew, I believe with all my heart, is the backbone, if you will. Of, because you will not be able to enjoy any of these things if the build crew did not set it up. So the next time you see a build crew, I want you to high five them. If you see somebody cleaning up, and I want you to just high, just say, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for serving us. Can we do that? Yeah? That's awesome. Thank you so much, you guys. Okay. So uh, the next one that I really, really want to bring up here, I think it's very, very important. Um, it's a worship crew. Uh, now, how many of you enjoyed today's worship? Yeah? Awesome. I believe that the worship crew is getting better and better every single time. I believe, oh, you should have seen how we started. Woo, Jesus, some of you are going to walk away needing healing for your hearing. I mean, um, when we started, it was rough, bro, let me tell you. But they have come a long way. And we have now, uh, God has sent the right people in the right place. Amen. He knows how to send the right people in the right place where they can actually hit notes correctly. Thank you, Jesus. Because it sounded like before it was a cat and dog being tied together in one bag. And they just let them loose. And, uh, but even then, uh, you know, it, it was not about the skill or the technicality. Because how many of you know skills can always be developed? But the question is this, God is not looking for a set of skill, but he is looking for those who have a heart to worship. How many of you know that we are created to worship? And this is how worship can go beyond Sunday. We believe that the worship crew is leading or modeling worship to exist beyond Sunday. And the worship crew is so crucial to what it is that we are doing because they are facilitating or they are modeling what it looks like for us to worship God. What it looks like for us to live out the lifestyle of worship that God the Father is seeking for true worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth. And we are excited to announce some uh, projects. That's right. We got projects this year. 
We got some Project 2020 that's about to be set up in a real way where we can make tangible how we can exist beyond Sunday. And with that being said, can I bring up uh, Mr. Where's Where's Mr. Andrew? Mr. Andrew, can you please come up here real quick? Paging Dr. Andrew to the front. Are you behind the curtain? Are you the man behind the curtain? <laughs> he is not the man behind the curtain. Where is Andrew? Maybe Andrew had to go cast out some demons. Okay. Um, thank you, Jesus. Okay. Uh, well, there's there's some exciting project that we're going to have this year. One in particular, we're hoping by the end of this year that we can release an album as a community. How many of you know that we have? Oh, yeah, only one person got excited over there. There's a special message that God has given to our community, and there's this very unique DNA that we carry that I don't see the body, a lot of the body of Christ carry too, but that's okay. That's because God created the different body parts to be different. Is that right? And so we were meant to color the body of Christ with also the color that he gave us. And uh, so we want to be able to come up with songs. Can you imagine singing our own songs in our cell community? That it's going to be a song that's produced by the community, from the community, for the community, but also to bless the rest of the body of Christ. Amen? So I'm excited about that. There he is, Mr. Andrew! This is our project manager that we are setting up. And just to give you a timeline, maybe just uh, approximate, uh, because we're trying to figure this thing out too. This is something we've never done before. This is breaking history. Uh, this is setting something up for the future. This is Mr. Andrew. Can you please give it up? One. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, can you just kind of uh, uh, let everybody know where we're going? What is this project? I already shared with them a little bit about the album. Uh, what, what is that we're looking to do? And what is the goal or the, the deadline that we want to hit these things? So what we want to do is uh, have a community of we just create and just not only just create, but also have the environment of worshiping. Yes. Um, because when in the when worshiping songs come out of nowhere, yeah, and then getting those songs and applying those songs and writing them down, and the goal is to have at least eight songs by July, come on, and then hopefully record an album by the end of the year. Yeah, Amen. that's the yes. goal right now. And right now. I'm setting up my garage as a studio, oh, so come on, yeah. so little by little. So hopefully, you know, I get all the stuff down and all the uh, recording audio down, and uh, come on, come on, hopefully we have the album uh, ASAP. Yeah. Wait right here. How many of you know that if you're faithful to small, God can entrust you with the big? I truly believe that God's calling Andrew to own a label. Can you imagine that one day we have an in-house label? That we are, uh, that God is promoting Andrew right now, that he is learning to be faithful with what God has given. He is turning his garage into the little studio that can. And, uh, and I love that, that he is turning his little garage into the little studio that can. And how many of you know that God can do all things? Amen. And would you just stretch out your hand towards Andrew real quick? God, we thank you for Andrew. We thank you for the dream that you have deposited inside of him, Father God, that he wants to be a father to many musicians, Father God, to young musicians who are uh, lost in their ways. God, I thank you that through him, he's going to raise up the next generation, Kanye, that he's going to raise up the next generation, Justin Beavers. He's going to raise up, Father God, those who really 
fear you and are not afraid to stand up on their platform that you have given and declare that Jesus is king. That Jesus is king. And God, I thank you that you're calling this man to be a father. And what an amazing father he is. And God, we bless him together. And God, we pray for this project that God, truly your kingdom come, your will be done through, uh, through Andrew, through Abolov worship as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So there's a lot of exciting things coming, and I'm excited to be able to present that to you uh, week by uh, week by week, but not only week by week, month by month. Uh, we'll keep you updated. We'll keep uh, we'll keep you updated with the progress. How many of you are excited about that? I'm I'm excited about that. We've never done anything like that, so I think that's pretty cool. Uh, now the last one that I want to last but not least, uh, I really believe that this is a very crucial crucial part of our uh, ministry of the the body of Christ. Uh, it, it is the Abba Youth. Um, you know, there are bigger and bigger percentages, according to study, of many young people no longer encountering Jesus in an age where they should. Uh, you know, back in the early 80s and 90s, uh, most people by the age of 12 years old or 13 years old already develop a personal relationship with Jesus. And that's around 60 to 70 percent. But now, now in, in 2020, uh, the recent study is actually 2018, it says that it has dropped all the way down to less than 20%. I don't know about you, but that's an alarming, that's a very alarming stats. That is our next generation. And then if you wonder why there are shootings in the school, if you wonder why there is uh, teen pregnancy skyrocketing, why there is so many even gender confusion or sexual confusion, I can tell you why. Because we have stopped raising up the next generation. We need to focus on the next generation. Can somebody say amen? Because I believe that, uh, you know, like Joshua and Caleb, Moses raised them and they became the greatest leader and a pioneer uh, in bringing the people of Israel into the promised land. That's the next generation. They have the capacity and the mandate from God to do that. But do you know, Joshua and Caleb did not pass it on to the next. And that's when the time of the judges came in. That's when the people have got forgotten about what God did because somebody did not raise up the next generation. Do you understand the weight of this ministry? No pressure, Josh. Um, but I believe it's a very crucial one. And I, I really want to bring up uh, Josh De La Cruz to come up here real quick just to share his heart. Because I believe we need to understand um, as, as we even open up next month in the, uh, in the Love Crew sign up, what you're getting yourself into because you are not just getting into a ministry. I believe that God's preparing us for a movement. Amen. Amen. Uh, so our other youth, these are our middle schoolers and our high schoolers. We're the people that sit right over here during service, and then after we're done worshiping, um, they move on. We're gonna move on to the classrooms. Every single week, we prepare lessons for them, and uh, yeah, we lead them. But at the same time, too, like I've been learning so much. Um, this generation, they really are going through so many things that we. You thought school was hard when you were in school, but man, it's so much different. Like, uh, at least when I was bullied, I was only bullied in class, right? But now they, they go home with it. It never goes away. Um, they're living in a time where I, I didn't know this until last week that they actually have a legitimate fear of World War III. Like, that's their normal conversation. That's their normal fear. They think about school, they think about relationships, they think about World War III. 
and that is the, the they're living in a generation of, of fear in a sense middle school to high, that's what 13 to 18 <laughs> and um you know when we first started out too we learned that i mean it, it's it's obvious it's, it's not news that suicide rates are um they're, they're just growing and growing but it's gotten to a point where high schoolers will make fun of other high schoolers for having more suicide. Like those are the internet jokes that they make. Oh, your school is known for this. And, um, and yeah, that's the stuff that they go through. Um, but, you know, on, on a light note, as somebody who is, is in class with them every, you know, every uh, couple Sundays a month, like I've been learning too the way that God works with them. And it's so sweet. Like, um, sometimes uh, we'll, we'll be bringing up a passage and trying to study it and say, hey, uh, guys, what, what, do you, what, what do you pull from this? And sometimes, honestly, like, I don't even know the answer to the question I'm asking. I mean, like, I've been studying this all week for you guys. I don't know what this is. And then we had, uh, oh, we had a couple of the middle schoolers who would, like, pour these, like, really far out answers. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, that makes so much sense. Like... You guys know this stuff? Like, you know this stuff, and God speaks to you this way? Man, these kids are prophetic. Like, and uh, I know there are a couple times in our church where, you know, Pastor Mike is telling us, hey, you guys, speak a word to your brother, speak a word to your sister, and we're just, like, shy, and we clam up, and we like, I don't know what God is saying. Like, I don't know what he wants me to say to you. And some of these, like, guys and girls, they just, hey, I think God is telling me this. And they say it so confidently. And then they start bawling because that's so true. And they have childlike faith. And so, I mean, with that said, like uh, teaching them, it's more than just teaching. It's an opportunity to, to get a taste of how God works, not just our age, but works with the age of the younger people. And um, I, would heavenly, uh, I would heavily ask you to consider um, leading with us because we, we need the help because it, it's, it's a big crowd. And so as I think especially as I heard, a lot of them are graduating this coming year. And so uh, Harvest is coming and it's growing. And uh, we'd love for you to be a part of our team. Thank you, Josh. God, we thank you for the calling in Josh's life. We thank you, Father God, that there is a calling for him for the next generation. I thank you, Father God, that he's truly going to prepare the Joshua's and the Caleb's. And God, would you prepare his life as he enters into that. God, we bless him in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, I'm short on time, so I'm going to speed through this. So keep up. Say keep up. All right. So I believe with all of my heart that we are continuing the writings of God in the book of Acts. Uh, we are writing Acts chapter 29. Do you believe that? So, so Okay, Acts 29. No, Acts 29 doesn't exist. We are Acts 29. Okay? Acts 29. Because we are continuing uh, the, to, to record and not only record, but experience the acts of the Holy Spirit through the church. Amen? And so uh, we, we, we want to study from the book of Acts today. And there are some things that was highlighted to me that I feel like we need to really take away from, especially as a love crew. Uh, because they truly live out that identity of a love crew. And I'll show you what I mean by that. So we are just going to open up real quickly to, uh, for the context for today. I'm just going to read through it and point out some things, and then we're going to get into where we're going to get into, okay? Acts chapter 4, verse 31 to 37. Acts chapter 4, 
verse 31 to 37. Okay, I'm going to start it out. This is after John was released. He got captured and he was uh, in prison and God released him supernaturally. And uh, they got together. Instead of being afraid, instead of being driven by fear, they were driven by faith. And so how many of you know that God wants us to be driven by faith? Amen. Uh, you know, even sometimes our religious activity is not driven by faith. It's driven by fear. Some of us do some things because we're afraid that God's going to be mad at, uh, mad at us if we don't. Uh, can I tell you that that is the wrong picture of a dad? Maybe that's your dad, but that's not our Heavenly Father. That's not him. He's not mad at you. God is not. Some of you need to hear that this morning. That God is not mad at you. And he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Maybe other people have walked away from you and left you, but God will never do that. Because he's a good, good father. Amen? Okay. So uh, Acts 4, 31 to 32. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Somebody say shaken. And this is not talking about California shaking like it's an earthquake, but this is a God kind of shaking, okay? And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I don't know if you see it or not, but there's a connection between prayer and power. And we believe God spoke this to me, this, this, this for 2020. When we build the culture of prayer, God releases the atmosphere of power. How many of you believe that you need to see some shaking in your family? How many of you need to see some shaking in your neighborhood, in your school? Then start praying. We want to invite you to Monday, Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw is our prayer night. It's going to be at Take Your Seat. It's from, uh, it's from 8 to 10 or 7? 7 to 8. One hour. That's all. But if you want to stick around, you got to clean up. Okay, so um, when we build the culture of prayer, God releases the atmosphere of power. And that's what we see in the book. Oh, what happened to my... Oops, sorry. And I believe that we need to not take this lightly, but take this very, very seriously. Um, it says, I'm sorry, let me go back real quickly. There we go. And all the believers were one in heart and mind. But do you notice that that is a result of prayer also? That is a result of praying together. Because prayer creates intimacy. Somebody say that with me. Prayer creates intimacy. Say that again. Prayer creates intimacy. Those of you who don't like praying, you probably have also a problem with intimacy. Ooh. If you can't say amen, you say, okay. If you have a hard time with praying, you probably most likely have a hard time with intimacy. Because prayer is all about intimacy. And some of you are not okay with the silence. Because in the silence, instead of hearing your father's voice, you hear other voices. But can I tell you, God wants to detox you from those voices this year. Amen. So you can hear the voice of God because he's your daddy. He is your shepherd. If you are his sheep, you ought to be able to hear his voice. Amen. Okay. <laughs> and so all the believers were one in heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of their possession was their own, except for their spouses. Okay. Um, but they shared everything they had. They shared everything they had, and I love that. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. I believe that God's really going to produce a year of miracle this year. 
I believe that we're going to see so many signs and wonders. I, that's why we want to build a culture where, where all things are possible. Amen? That there were no needy persons among them. This is what it would look like if we live out the love crew identity. This is what it would look like. There was no needy person among them. Why? Because everybody served. Because everybody give like Jesus gives. There were no needy. Can you imagine entering into a neighborhood where there were no needy people? Not even that annoying neighbor. Why? Because all their needs are met. Crazy, right? But that's what the Bible says. There were no needy people among them. From, and from time to time, those who owned land and houses sold them and brought the money for, for, from the sales and put it all on the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. That is a crazy kind of love. Don't you think so? That's a crazy kind of love. But what would it look like for us to be a love girl? This is what it would look like for us to be a love girl. That's powerful. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas. Somebody say Barnabas. Barnabas means the son of encouragement or the son of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I like to be nicknamed the son of the Holy Spirit. That's a pretty cool nickname. That means what? I'm just like the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that you are called to be Barnabas in your neighborhood? That you're called to be Barnabas in your family. That you're called to be Barnabas in your school. And here in this community, you're called to be the son of encouragement. Sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it all in the apostles' feet. You got to understand this. Giving makes you holy. Giving makes you holy. Who's you know who's giving first? God gave first. That's why you are holy. Because he gave his life. Now you receive holiness. So what do you do when you give? You partake of what he's already given. You come into agreement that when you give, you're just like your daddy. Does that make sense? When you give, you are just like your daddy. I like this, I like this corner. Y'all very responsive. Y'all need to learn from this corner over here. Somebody needs to shout amen sometimes. And I, I would love for you to stand up and say, preach Asian boy. Okay, that's cool. Uh, okay, now it's crazy. I, I said it. I said, I can't take it back. Okay. Um, awesome. Giving makes you holy. And Acts chapter 5, verse 1 to 11 is where we're going to spend time. And uh, I'm, I'm going to breeze through this real quickly. Okay. We're going to read uh, verse 1 right here. So that, that was a context. That's why I read Acts chapter 4 first. So they were all living in generosity. God was building a corporate identity, which is the love crew, right? He, he, they, they all shared with one another. They all served one another. They all gave to one another, which is powerful. And that is how the world's going to believe. Can you imagine if the world looks at us and go, these people actually love one another? You see, like, how many people come to a church and then really see love? Not just the fancy lights and not the, the whole production, but actually see love. It's very rare, is it not? It's very, very rare. Well, we want to be the community where we are known because we are a love crew. Where love is made tangible to serving and giving. Amen? And so, now, 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 now that's that word now there. Do you see that word now there? That means it, 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 it continues from what is being spoken before. Okay? So, you need to understand. That's why I read the context before. Now, we're going to read. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. Don't worry if you can't read it properly. Okay? And there's no judgment here. It's good. Okay, Ananias and Sapphira, or Sapphira, some people say, depends if you are French. Um, uh, you know, Ananias and Sapphira, I, I thought th these are, I, I, I wanted to stop here because I want you to know what their name means. 
See, Ananias, his name means God has been gracious. Somebody needs to name your kids Ananias because I want to see some Annas running around. Ananias means God has been gracious in the Greek. And I, th I think it's a beautiful name. And I want to I show you why I pulled out the name because their name is to reflect their identity. But I want to I show you the importance of having the right identity. You can have the right identity but have a wrong filter. You can have the right identity, but you can have the wrong filter, and you're going to live from your filter and not your identity. Okay? So, so uh, Ananias means God has been gracious. Now, what is Sapphira or Sapphira? Which one do you like? Sapphira? Okay. Sapphira. Because she is fierce. This is, what, this is what Sapphira means. It means sapphire, like the precious stone. It means beautiful. It means clear. Clarity. It means calmly composed. It means self-control. You want that name? <laughs> Call me Sapphira from now on. That's my stage name. Okay. Um, he's like, that's awesome. Okay. So Sapphira means that. Self-control. Now, we're going to continue to read. Now, we're going to see whether or not they live out their identity. Okay? So we're going to continue to read here. So uh, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Okay, so they sold the land and they brought it to the apostles' feet. But what they told them is like, oh, we sold everything and this is all of the proceeds. Okay, this is all of the proceeds. Now, and Peter, I thought this was, I just want to highlight this real quick. Now, who, who do I want to confront them? Peter. Peter, okay, okay, let me, let, me, let me just read it first, okay? Let me. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? Do you know what Peter is known for? Lying. You know that Peter was confronted when Jesus was carrying the cross, when he was, actually when he was uh, uh, on the way to the, the Sanhedrin court, uh, Peter was following him from afar. And Peter got confronted three times. Hey, aren't you with that Jesus? Hey, aren't you? You were one of the disciples for sure. I seen you on Facebook. I seen your Instagram. I seen how you cooked them fish with Jesus. I seen it. And then he lied three times. He lied. I don't know him. I don't know. And there's even one specific passage that even said he cursed. That means, bleep, 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 bleep. I don't know him. Peter got upset. Okay? And this is the guy that's calling out a liar. I thought that was very interesting. Don't you think so? I, I never saw that before. I saw this reading. I said, wait a minute. Peter the liar is calling out the lie on somebody else? Do you know what happened when the Holy Spirit grabs a hold of you? He transforms you. Maybe you're a liar before, but he changes your identity. Peter now confront lies. See, in the area that he was weakened before, now he becomes a, it is the same area that he become a deliverer in. The same area that you struggle in will be the same area that you have authority in. Do you believe that? If God would, if you allow God to establish your identity, the same area that you fell in will be the same area that you lift others in. I want you to know that. I want you to know that. So, Peter goes, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? You see, 
Hypocrisy is deliberate deception or distortion of identity. Hypocrisy is a deliberate deception. It is doing it on purpose. It is trying to present yourself to be someone that you're not. You know that you're not a liar. That's not who you are. You know, this week I, I had a chance to, uh, actually yesterday I had a chance to discipline my son. My son is very strong uh, in will and he is very strong in personality just like somebody I know. <clears throat> you know, yeah, yeah, my side of the family. Um, and so, uh, and he decided to make plans on his own without communicating with me. All of a sudden, he came downstairs and goes, Daddy, you're taking me to my friend's house at 1 o'clock. Thank you. Went upstairs and he, I went like, I can make a new one, boy. You understand? I was like, what did, you, what did, did I just heard right? And it's, and, it, and it's what he said. And he came down and I go, Kai, come down here. He goes, don't worry. I already discussed it with mom. He threw mama under the bus. He threw mama under the bus. And then he already set it up with the, the friend's parents already texting mom. And then because he knows he, he did not see, he did not come and ask me first. Why? Because there's a greater chance that I would say. So he would go to the one who's busy working. The one that, you know, like that, you may, there's a higher chance because she's busy. I, and I call him out on that too. And he just smiled like this. He is smart. How many of our children are smart? Right? Listen, you don't have to teach children to sin. Is that correct? You have to teach them how to, do, how to have manners. But you don't have to teach them to disobey. You don't have to teach them to lie and manipulate. Why? Because it's sinful nature. But how many of you know that God wants to deliver our children also? Amen? That means we need to be praying for our children. Some of, just because they are raised in a Christian home don't mean they're Christians yet, by the way. Just letting you know. The moment they get pa, holy, they don't do that. It doesn't work like that. They need to be discipled. They need to be discipled. And it's not on the children, churches, workers to disciple them. Or parents, it's on you. You are the disciple. God holds you accountable. If something went with them, that's because of their choice, but also your upbringing. Let's take If you can't say amen, you say, okay. We need to take responsibility. Amen? And you know, here's what I love about this community. We need to take responsibility not only over our kids, but also our brothers and sisters' kids. It takes a village to raise a child. And if we would allow, you know, some of the uncles and aunties go, so you could, you know, like we, we grew up, and me and a couple of the other guys, you know, we uh, grew up together and we had the same, the, the, not the same children, but the children around the same time and, and we would discipline each other's kids. And we would discipline in exactly the same way. Why? Because we had the same values. Does that make sense? What would it look like for us to be that kind of community? Does that make sense? Where it really takes everybody to, raise each other's children. Because sometimes, how many of you know your kids is going to listen to somebody else's parents better than their own parents sometimes? There's going to be a season of that, and that's okay. But the other parents is not going to be like, yeah, your parents suck. It's not going to do that. But instead, they're going to build them up. You know what? God placed your parents as an authority over your life, and you need to win in this. Because submission is about submitting to the mission. 
Because your parents are also given by God authority and you need to learn to submit to them. You see, like we need to have the same values, all of us together. Is that correct? And I think that's exciting. And for those of you who are single, can I tell you that this is great preparation for you? You're like, no, I don't need to hear that because I'm a single. No, you, you, you got to learn too. That means what? You're also teaching the children. You're also modeling for them. Because by the way, you're the cool people. You're the big brothers. You're the big sisters. You know, you're cooler than mom and dad. You know, because you're like, oh my gosh. You know, like my daughter adores my little sister. My daughter adores her. Like she is like, Auntie Shannon dressed like this. Why can't I? You know, she says stuff like that. You know, and of course, Shannon shifted and changed, and she's amazing. Uh, and, um, you know, and, uh, and, and I love that Shannon pours into her, too. Sh- I've seen my little sister pour into my daughter in a way that I know that I can't, uh, but she could. You know, and I, what it looked like for us to raise up that kind of community. Amen? Okay. So hypocrisy is a deliberate deception or distortion of identity. We want a clarity on our identity corporately and personally. Amen? And that means we got to allow somebody else to check us. And that's what Peter did. He checked Ananias. He goes, whoop, you lying right now. Mom, you, know, you know how like mamas have that supernatural instinct when their kids are lying? Y'all, y'all seen that before? Like, my, man, it, it is. It's that little smile. It's that little smirk. Like, you know, like you lying right now, aren't you? You know, uh, but, but the Holy Spirit is the greatest uh, lie detector. <laughs> Why? Because he's the spirit of truth. And if you live in a lie, can I tell you, he will alert you. If you're living in a wrong identity, he will alert you. How? Sometimes through scripture. Most of the time it's through scripture. Uh, but also through your brothers and sisters in Christ. Would you allow them to check you in love? Amen? Okay, now we're going to continue. Verse 4 to 6. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to humans. But to God, when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. We would have a very empty church today. (laughs) Am I telling the truth? (laughs) We were like, oh, Lord, what happened to the rest of them? They lied. (laughs) Can you imagine? But this is what was happening to that time. How many of you know that we're living in the age of grace? That's grace, by the way. But do you know that the, the loving father here had to do something and discipline the children that he loves? And some of us, doesn't make sense. So how could he let him die like that? Well, you have to understand that God really values the church's identity. Really value the bride. If you mess with the bride, you mess with the groom. You understand? If you mess with the bride, you mess with the groom, and you don't want to mess with the groom like that. Does that make sense? But unfortunately, the bride, the bride is so fragile today. She sees herself so broken, so incompetent, and so ugly. Can I tell you, that is not the bride that Jesus died for. Jesus died for the perfect bride, and we need to call forth the identity of the bride. We are the love crew. Amen? We're not the hate crew. We're not the judgment crew. We are the love crew. Amen? We want to make sure that the world knows for, you know, we want to be known to the world for what we stand for instead of what we're standing against. Can, can we come in agreement with that? We want, we want to be known for what we do, not what we don't do. 
We want to be known for what we do. What would it look like for us to just really be loved in this neighborhood? Okay. And when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear, say great fear, sees all who heard what had happened. If you saw that whole thing, wouldn't you be afraid to? Wouldn't you be checking yourself? Oh, did I lie? What did I lie about? You know, wouldn't you be checking yourself too? Right? But this is what happened. So how many of you know that we need some of that fear back in the church today? It's not, it's not unhealthy fear. It's a healthy fear of God. You see, if you don't fear God, you'll fear everything else. If you don't fear God, you'll fear everything else. But when you fear God, you won't fear everything else. Amen. You won't have fear for nothing else. You know, this, this week I saw an interview of um, Big Boy and Kanye. Uh, listen, this has been a hot topic. Can, can, I, can I just share with you my opinion? You don't have to agree with me, but this is just my opinion. I know a lot of people are saying like, ah, oh, we'll see. You know, like that kind of, like, we'll see about Kanye. I don't think he for real, though. I don't think he for real. I, I will just see. We'll just see. I think he's going to rise up and fall. Like, that's already the words that's being spoken. I, I think we need to take a different approach. I think that we need to, you, you know why God does not send us people like Kanye? Well, if we have that kind of attitude, God will not send us people like Kanye. But if we have a different attitude, God will send us people like Kanye. That kind of platform. I believe that. I told God, God, if nobody wants a disciple, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it, God. I'll disciple him. Like, would you have a heart of a father? Instead of looking at somebody who's broken, you're looking at an orphan son that needs to be adopted. Does that make sense? A completely different shift that we need to have. And, and, uh, and you know, he was, he was interviewing Kanye. And he says, Kanye, aren't you afraid that... Um, that, that, you know, your, your, uh, your reputation, you know, aren't you afraid that nobody is, people's going to stop listening to you because what, what a huge platform. And to say, Jesus, aren't you going to, uh, uh, you know, cut away a lot of the market that you're selling to the gangsters won't listen to you anymore. You know, some of the crowds won't listen to you anymore, especially if they have different belief. They won't listen to your music anymore. Aren't you afraid that you're going to lose money? And he cut them off right there. He goes, listen, I fear God, period. And I love that. I fear God. And when I fear God, I don't fear nothing else. He's the one that's going to sustain me. We need a little Kanye in our life. Some of you need Kanye West, but some of you need Kanye East. Whatever direction you may be in. But we need a little Kanye. We need a little stand up and say, God is who I fear. Here's a question I want to ask you. Some people are judging him for it. Oh, Jesus is king. You know, we'll see. How many, when was the last time some of you stand up in public in your workplace, in your school, and declare that Jesus is king? If you can't say amen, you say, but he boldly proclaimed that Jesus is king. I need, we need to pray for people like that. Amen? That he is declaring the gospel. Is he perfect? No. Any of you are? Does that make sense? Let's love on him. Let's cheer for him. Let's support him. Let's speak life to him. Let's pray that God will send somebody to disciple. Maybe God already has. Send somebody who will disciple. But if nobody, Jesus, I'll do it. Okay, so. Okay. How many of you know, for God, the intent in giving is more important than the gift? 
for God, the intent in giving is more important than the gift itself. You see, it, there was nothing wrong with Ananias and Sapphira giving. There's nothing wrong with them giving. But their intent was what's wrong. They gave not because they gave sincerely out of love. They gave because they want to look a certain way. Does that make sense? They want to fit in with the crowd. So they gave out of a place of insincerity. They gave from a place of being fake, but then the God that we serve is an authentic God. How many of you know that doesn't match up? Listen, you can buy some Louis Vuitton down in Chinatown for 50 bucks. Okay? You can buy some Mikeys instead of some Nikes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You can buy some Louis Vuitton, but with, one, with, with like two ends or three ends. <laughs> And, you know, in, in Indonesia, uh, we have one particular mall. And in this particular mall, every single branded item is there. Every single one. From the most fakest one to the one that looks the most real but fake. All of them is there. Different floors. The higher you go, the more real it looks. 50 bucks, fake. 500 bucks, fake. <laughs> the Indonesian said it like this, you know, copyrights belong to the world, but right to copy belong to Indonesia. That's what they say. <laughs> but how many of you know, if you try to go, even the, the most realest looking one, if you go to France, if you go to Europe, where he came from, they can spot it. No matter how real it looks, they can spot it. Why? Because in the presence of the authentic, the fake cannot remain. In the presence of the authentic, the fake cannot remain. One more time, one more time. This, this, this side, this side, this side, this side. In the presence of the authentic, the fake cannot remain. Uh, Y'all need to work on that. Let me, let me try over here. In the presence of the authentic, the fake cannot remain. Okay, much better. Even the one over there starting to shout out. Yeah, okay. We're working on it. Thank you, Jesus. For God, the intent is more, in giving is more important than the gift. When you give what you give with your all, because you got to know that you're giving to God. You're not giving to, quote unquote, uh, just a church organization. I want you to know that you're giving to God himself. And by the way, everything that you have is not even yours, it's God's. But I work for it, but he gave me the health. He gave you the energy. If you, if he didn't give you none of those things, can you work? If he does not give you breath in your lungs, can you? If he did not open up the door for you to get that job, can you? Everything we have belongs to God. And isn't it amazing that God asked for a tithe? You know what a tithe is? It's 10% of what he gave you. It ain't even yours. Listen, what kind of, if we're a business partner and I'm the investor, okay, I'm walking a little too far, Rudy. Let me back up real quick. Rudy's like, hey, that's the line. Don't cross the line. Okay. Ooh, okay. So, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if, if, if I invest in Lisette and I invest 100%, can I ask you whose money is it? It's mine. It's about, I invest at 100%. And I told Lisette, Lisette, tell you what, uh, go, I want you to go ahead and manage this. You keep the 90, just go ahead and give me the 10. 
Let me ask you a question. What kind of business owner would do that? That makes no sense. But do you know that your king is like that? Why? Because he is, he is not just generous. He is generosity. That's who he is. Does that make sense? So you are most like your daddy when you're generous. You are most like your daddy when you are generous. You see, generosity is not something that we do. It's who we are. Amen. May we be marked in this community by generosity. How many of you believe that? Come on now. Give Jesus praise. Awesome. All right. We're going to continue real quickly. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. Uh, Acts 5, verse 10 to 11. Now, at that moment, oh, no, that's not it. Okay. After three hours, when? How many, how many hours? Three hours later, his wife came in. Sapphira came in, not knowing what was happening, right? And so Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? What did he say? Yes. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yes. She said, that is the price. And Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Do you see the weight of that? Intent is everything to God. You could be doing the right thing for the wrong reason, and God said it's wrong. Does that make sense? But you could be doing the wrong thing with the right intent. God can work with that. God can work with that. It doesn't mean that he's not going to correct you, though. I'm just letting you know. He's going to correct you, but at least you are doing it with the right intent. Does that make sense? Because intent is important. Say intent is important. Okay. Um, so, uh, you know, Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and now they will carry you out also. That's pretty heavy, yo. What happens? She fell. At that moment, she fell down and at his feet and died. Then the young man came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Did it say that they were going to go to hell? It didn't say that. Right? It didn't say that. But God in his sovereignty decided to take him home. Why? Because this is to also teach the brothers and sisters a lesson. Okay? Now, is it possible that they are right? If they're real believers, obviously they're going to be with God. Yes? So we, we don't have to worry about that. But I think what is being emphasized here is the holiness of the identity. That what you give, here's, here's what I want to end with. When you give to the bride, you're giving to the groom. In the same token, if you rob from the bride, you're robbing from the groom. Does that make sense? If you rob from the bride, you're robbing from the groom. See, this is for God is very holy. Why? Because it's his, it's his marriage. It's his identity. You will not come into this marriage and be a third wheel. Does that make sense? You will not come into this marriage and then become a mistress. I will not allow idolatry or in our sense, adultery to take place. There cannot be two gods. There cannot be. It, it, can you imagine if you're married to somebody, your spouse says, we're going to have an open relationship. Is that marriage? That's not marriage. Because marriage communicates the idea of holiness, meaning what? You're separated for that one. That's what it means to be holy. 
to be separated only for that one. Isn't that beautiful? My wife was made for me and me alone. And I am made for her and her alone. She belongs to me and I belong to her. Ooh, that was smooth, babe. Thank you, Jesus. But it doesn't work if you call yourself smooth. Okay. Um, I, 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 I really believe that all every single one of us here, we're going to give to God our best. Amen? So uh, when we, we start talking about the big gift, that's going to be a few months from now. I really want us to start preparing for that because we want to break down to you where the giving is going so that you see clearly where everything is going and so that you see clearly where you are investing to because every farmer knows he needs to sow into the right ground. Does that make, does that make sense? He needs to sow into good ground. So he knows, oh, this is good ground. How many believe that giving is making us holy? Amen. Will you stand with me? Let's pray. Were y'all blessed? I was blessed preaching that. I might just listen to that again. Thank you, Jesus. How many of you know that sometimes when we preach up here, you know, we, we, we study and we do the things that we do to prepare to present. But how many of you know a lot of times God is also speaking first to me? I won't serve you a food that I'm not eating myself. Does that make sense? I got to feed you the food I'm cooking too. Because a lot of times chefs don't like to eat what they cook. Is that right? Good thing the chef is the Holy Spirit. So I need to eat too. So we are eating this together as a family. Amen? Tell your neighbors, giving is making you holy. So I believe that when we give generously like that, when we give all, not just, I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking about our time. I'm talking about our resources. I'm talking about our energy. I'm talking about our patience. You are being transformed more and more to be like your daddy. Because that's how he is. God is a giver. He is a gift, but he's also a giver. Amen? The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave. The greatest expression of your love is your gift. I give all of me because I love all of you. John Legend is one of my favorite theologians of all time. All of me loves all of you. Every curves and every edges. And all the perfect imperfections. Will you give to God your all? Because he gave you his all. Let's pray.